now we're on. Hi, I'm Eric Fruits. Uh, I'm a local economist. I also run the website Econ Minute, where I blog and podcast. And this is... Ann Sanderson, and I'm a small business owner here in Portland, and I wear many hats, but today my views are my own, unless you agree with me, and then we're sharing our views. Oh, wow. A little disclaimer. <laughs> That's new. You must have gotten in trouble from the boss. <laughs> no. <laughs> when you own your own business, you are the boss. Oh, okay. So, uh, what do we got? There's a lot going on. There's always a lot going on in Portland We had politics. to trim. Trim. We I had know. to trim. And it's only Tuesday. We didn't even make it to Friday. We didn't make it to Friday. We had... We had two pages worth of things to talk about, and we'll probably only cover about half of one page. Right, because the themes are important. We want to stick to a theme. Anne loves themes. I love themes. So, Anne, what's our theme? Our theme is we want you to help us help you. We want you to help us help you help us help you. (laughs) (laughs) But you'll probably end up getting screwed along the way. Well, they're going to call it community involvement, whether they listen or not. Right. So, what are we going to start with? I think we're going to start with parking. What do you Mm -hmm. want to say about parking? How how are we supposed to help the city help us park? Well, officials are now looking at several options that could help, uh, that could cost us a little bit more money, but they want our feedback on how much we want to pay to park in front of our own houses. Is that kind of right? On all houses? Well, I think the idea is they want to reach out into neighborhood associations and have those neighborhood associations uh, give feedback on whether or not they should charge for parking in front of your own house, and if they do, what that parking situation would look like. Now, my experience with the Neighborhood Association is that you will end up with this huge jumble where you'll have one of those signs that looks like a Christmas tree that says, resident parking only from this time to this time, no parking from this time to this time, permit parking from this time to this time, and then everyone will get a ticket because everyone's going to break the rule. Or not know the rule. Or not know the rule. I mean, let's give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Right. Right? And a lot of times you've been parking in front of your house for, you know, two decades, three decades. We don't have permit parking in my neighborhood as of yet. Um, Do you have to pay for permits? We don't have to pay for permits in our neighborhood, but over some places in northwest Portland, you do. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that residents then can park anytime, all the time without a problem with their permit, but if you don't have a permit, you can only park there for two hours. How are these enforced? I think you have someone walking through, a, mm-hmm. a, a meter, do we call person? them meter maids anymore? No, meter person. Oh, meter person. Then it makes the song not as cool. <laughs> it's, it's an old paradigm song. But the, the issue is we've got these new buildings going in that are taller buildings with more people living in them. They usually don't have parking associated with them. So now you have more people parking on the streets. And so now we've got a big parking problem because people who are used to being able to park on the street can't find people, can't right. find a place to park. And the new residents, with they'll be able to get parking permits as well because their addresses are within the neighborhoods? Well, they would. Well, right. That's the whole thing is... That's the whole problem with this, we want you to help us help you, is that you can have a whole bunch of different rules depending on what neighborhood you live in. And so it almost makes the feedback silly because you know that what's going to happen is each neighborhood's going to have its own ideas. They're going to go to city council. City council is going to say, we can't have 50 different parking rules just based on whether you live in Laurelhurst or Sunnyside or some other place. So then they'll come up with their own rule. And my guess is... At least knowing this council, we're all going to end up paying $65 a year to park in front of our own house. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure it's going to be whatever they want to do. So, you know. It's oh, but there'll be plenty of input. Plenty of input. Plenty of input from 
from all the hand-picked working groups. Right. We talked about that last week, I think. I think the interesting questions would be, where does the money go if it is a paid permit? How many permits are issued versus how many actual parking spaces are available? Whether or not it's in front of your house, if there's you know 60 people who have cars in a new apartment building that doesn't have any parking associated with it, they're parking in front of your house. And perhaps you know grandma has to go six or seven blocks to find a parking spot, which, you know, at night, which is dangerous. But, you know, are, are they going to issue enough permits equal to the parking space available for, for the neighborhood, or are they going to oversell and take in that money? And then what happens to the money? Well, the, econom- the economist in me says that the basic principle of public finance on something like this is if you are charging uh, because you don't have enough parking, if you're charging a parking fee, then that parking fee money would be used to create more parking. Create more parking. I wonder if that would actually happen in this that city. Might, that might actually happen. Um, but where are they going to get it from? I mean, it's not like we're building uh, car lots or anything for our parking lots. Um, yeah, and then also too, you know, that's the kind of tax that's so sneaky because you have to pay to park, which you know at one point was a given. You know, when you bought your house, and now you're going to have to pay for it regardless of your income. So again, Grandma, who has to now walk six blocks to find a, spark, a parking spot for her car, you know, which is for her the ideal transportation. We shouldn't be judging people who actually need cars for whatever reason. And uh, then she has to then also take out of her Social Security money every month, you know, a little bit set aside for her parking permit. So it's not based on her income, where someone who has a higher income can afford it. And it's just pocket change to them. Well, and the other part, too, is that when you buy your house, you buy your house in a neighborhood that has free parking in front of the house, and you say, well, gee, parking's free. Sure, someone might take my spot from now every now and then, but I'm pretty much assured of having a place to park within a block of my house. That's factored into the property values. Right. When you start taking that away, you're actually diminishing the, the property values. Now, I know that there are some issues. I remember when I lived in Chicago, I lived about a mile from Wrigley Field. And on game nights, there would be people parking in front of my apartment complex, double parking mm-hmm. with their with their flashers on. And they would be there for the entire game. They just park their car, double park it, and walk off to the game. I don't doubt that. I lived in Boston, and I remember when it was um, sometimes easier to illegally park, risk the ticket, and then pay the ticket if you got one than it was to um, you know not find a parking spot at all. Well, and that's a, a big part of rules, right? When you start having too many rules, everybody breaks the rules right. because their rules are just too hard to enforce. I'm a rule follower. So. I know you are. <laughs> I'm not letting you out of the rules. <laughs> no. So I think what we have now are more questions than answers at this point, right. but we now have flagged the issue and no one has an excuse not to be worried about parking. Or at least involved. I mean, public input is... It, is dependent on people actually stepping up and being part of a process. And a lot of these little issues seem very tedious, but they have big impacts on some people. Again, grandma. So I think it's very important that everyone kind of st- tries to stay involved in, on some level. And, and as frustrating as it can be is that your input gets to City Hall and seems disregarded. We have shown in the past that as enough voices together will get some attention and we can change things. And if you can't show up, send an email and if you can't send an email make a phone call absolutely that's all you have to do i love phone calls phone calls good yeah ugh Okay, so speaking of cars and streets, I think we can move to um, 
our favorite topic, the street feed. Ooh, it's like <laughs> a zombie right, crawling out of the grave. <laughs> well, it's back on some level. We've talked about this in the last couple of weeks. And um, the latest word on the street, literally, is that Commissioner Novick is, again, wanting to know what we think's best. And so he has asked business districts to pull their member businesses to ask them, what would we really like as a way to... Uh, have additional funding for transportation. And I'm going to say additional because we already pay taxes towards transportation funding. And so to to get us out of the backlog, they want to raise additional uh, money. And his choices... Wait, we already pay for transportation? Well, of course we do. What? We've got got a gas tax. Right. We've got a property tax Mm -hmm. that goes to the city. Uh, We also have... Business income taxes, which is what we pay as business owners, right? Right. There's a lot of money flowing into the city. Mm -hmm. So there's always money for roads. Well, there's money for roads if you don't spend it on something else. Right. Well, it's about choices, right? Right. Unlimited wants and limited means. And budget priorities are the best expression of what a politician's priorities are. And it seems like roads are never a priority. Right, until they are. And now they are, but only in terms of wanting more money for it, additional money rather than using what they have. So they're only, roads are only important if we can raise more money, but they're not important if it means giving up something else. Well, that which gives well, us leads us to this point. But, you know, the, the choice that, that Commissioner Novick would like business owners to, to answer is how would they like to fund it? One of the choices he's asking is would you like an additional income tax or a city income tax? Another one would be, would it be a street fee based on use as it was loosely designed? And I rolled my eyes. You can't see that on through your speakers there, but um, loosely designed on use um, from last year or something else, or perhaps decreasing funding to the police and fire departments. And I'm But gonna, nothing else. I'm going to say, well, no, there, you could come up with something or else parks. if you wanted to. No, but he specifically called out police and fire as it was relayed to me, not directly from Commissioner Novick, but I was in a room with a lot of people who audibly gasped because to say, would you cut police and fire to pave roads and have safer streets and sidewalks um, was such an affront to the business people I was sitting with. You know, again, we had the street fee based on an 800-person telephone poll, and now we're going to have a loose, you know, polling of businesses, not even in a formal manner. Um, I think that uh, Commissioner Novick is grasping at straws. Well, this leads into something our old friend Craig told us about, how he saw Charlie Hales, the mayor, give a presentation to the emerging young leaders, uh, uh, government leaders, and he said the way that you you deal with the public as you give them choices, but you don't let them choose the choices. You tell them the choices. So Novick's kind of following this playbook, right? He's saying, here, you can either uh, spend more money this way, spend more money that way, or we can cut police and fire. And that's, that's it. You can't think of anything else. Which is the third rail. No one's going to touch that. I well, mean, exactly. and he knows that. And so he believes that we're going to choose A or B. And I think that, you know, everyone for the last year and a half has said D, none of the above. And I think that if we're going to say D, none of the above, he should listen to that. It's just so transparently dumb. <laughs> well, isn't it? It is transparent, definitely. Yes. Well, transparently uh, <laughs> dumb. So it's from- dumb because it, it treats us like dummies. Right. As if we can't see through it. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Gee, I never thought of it that way. Right. (laughs) 
Well, we'll see how that all transpires. It's one of our favorite topics or here on Tuesday Memo. Or expires. <laughs> on Tuesday Memo podcast. So we'll be back to it, I am sure, many times through the election season. So before we move away from taxes, we want to talk about how TriMet is asking for some more taxes. What's TriMet? TriMet is the... It's our regional mass transit agency. They run the light rail, the buses, but not the streetcar. No. But they should. Doesn't that seem awkward? Well, it seems odd. But, but anyway, I guess... We, we just need keep... another agency to suck down subsidies. <laughs> we just want to keep our toys to ourselves. I guess so. <laughs> I knew you'd have a better explanation than I would on that one. Um, so TriMet already collects taxes from all um, all people working in Portland, right? Or is it just Not just Portland. Oh. Not yes, just Portland. Right. Anyone right. that Regional. is within their service area, any employer within a mile of any line... Was that, that how it's worked out? Yes. I just figured it's everybody then, right? It's pretty much everyone <laughs> in, in the in the region. And so TriMet plays this game sometimes where they will send one bus out to some obscure place so they can suck in all those businesses you for the payroll tax. That. Is that true? They do. Oh, I'm sure that's not... It may not be intentional, but it happens. It and happens. so it's no different from they being intentional. They could just be providing service. Let's not, you know, malign them unnecessarily because bus service is great and it's nice to have good transportation. It is And nice. so, you know, and I grew up in Portland where we had the best bus service in the country. So, you know, back in the 80s. So I think that it's... Uh, but like every other bus fare or light rail fare, any other public transportation fare, the fare itself only covers about a third right. of the total cost. I think it's 28%. A less than a third. Mm-hmm. The rest, big chunk of it, comes from payroll taxes. Right. And so everyone, every employer, uh, and if you're self-employed, you have to pay it too, mm-hmm. pays uh, the TriMet payroll tax and to help support the public transit system. And it seems like system. a lot. When you're writing that check at the end of the year and you're paying your state and federal taxes and, and you've just paid your property taxes on your own home and then you're writing an additional check to TriMet, it's quite a bit, you know. So you know, everyone, See, I use a payroll service, so it's less painful. Right, so you don't have to see it. I actually have to write the check out. So here's the thing. So they want one-tenth of one percent increase in um, in the tax, and they have not had a, an increase for several years through the recession, which was wise. But just now when we are coming out of the recession and Portland is gaining new people, new businesses, new employees to pay this tax um, over and over again, we're increasing the demand on the transit system, but we're also increasing the number of people and the amount of money that can be taxed. But in addition to this, they also want an increase in the rate as well. And uh, do you want to say anything about that? So they're hoping to sell more transit service because they have more people working. They have a bigger base. They're going to be bringing in a lot more money just because more people are working. At least that's the idea. And on top of that, now they want to double dip and increase the amount that you're charging. So tax businesses even more to pay for the service that's already going to be raking in a lot of money. It's like, remember the old joke? Uh, we lose money on every sale, but we make it up in volume. <laughs> it, that seems to be the TriMet model. Right. And and it's funny because when I heard this proposal, um, they it was in a meeting where they handed out the most beautiful brochure handouts. There are many, many pages, full color, front and back, basically a PowerPoint that had been 
had been downloaded and printed in full color. And they're telling us how much they need the money while we're looking. And we were in a place where they could have used a PowerPoint. And they said, no, that's okay. We'll just bring handouts. And so my feeling is, you know, great if they need the money, but they didn't prove it. And if they are passing out beautiful handouts like that, they probably have enough or they need to look, you know, look to where they, they are spending right now. Well, when I taught at the Pacific Northwest College of Art, some of my students were graphic designers and they were saying that they were thinking about not doing graphic design because the the job market was was pretty bad. Well, now I've learned if you want if you're an out of work graphic designer, you can make bank working for TriMet, City of Portland, Metro, Multnomah County because they spend just copious amounts of their budgets making the most beautiful flyers and posters. It's true. I and have, maps. I have been stunned over the last couple of years how stunning all of the handouts are. And a lot of them, even when they're um, transmitted electronically via email, they are pretty. And then you try to take the data in there and put it in a spreadsheet, and the numbers don't add up. Well, you know, uh, art, form, function, what do you want? <laughs> so so anyway, so th- that's another tax. I mean, the number of taxes um, that are coming out of our pocketbooks, as much as I believe in paying taxes and I believe in paying for services for people who need and for services that we use, like public transportation, I think it's, it is equally as important to look how they're spending the money now and um, what they would do with money that we would give them additionally. Yes. Amen. Okay. And there's there are things on the agenda, so we're oh, going to shift the gears. Tuesday memo. We my, didn't get the Tuesday memo yet. The Tuesday memo is not out. We're doing this pretty early on a, on a Tuesday afternoon, so we haven't seen the agenda uh, the the uh, changes to the agenda. We're going to go with what we got on Friday, and um, pretty much the the agenda has you know we're going to spend a lot of money. The council always likes to spend money, which is and sometimes which you have to dig to see that we're spending money because right. some of these items are very. Bland, right? Well, I mean, we don't know what it is, and then you dig in, you're like, oh, that's like six million bucks. Like, there's six million, there's a 1.4 million, there's uh, 512,000. And uh, someday we're just going to have to have a running total. If we ever, have we ever added it up? You've added it up before. I've added it up before for several weeks on the Tuesday Memo um, Facebook page. I used to do that, but it's exhausting because they bury the money oftentimes behind the behind, under the fold, so we don't know. Um, and your calculator doesn't have that many zeros. It's true. I kind of go, is that billion or million? <laughs> Because you can't always tell. But the important thing to look for this week is probably going to be the um, Private for Higher Transportation Innovation Task Force Recommendations on Taxis and Transportation Network Companies. I know it. Final report. Final report. Eric, what'd they tell us? I was surprised at how balanced it was. Um, Isn't that what you kind of came away with? It was kind of surprising. Um, What's the deal with the lifting the caps? There's pretty much going to be no limits now on the number of taxis, the number of Uber drivers. Well, Uh, let's step back and talk about what, you know, just a little bit of background in case it's the first time they've caught up with us. But basically when Uber came in, and uh, like last year, and challenged the taxi-only 
uh, private for hire transportation network is what they're calling it, which it means a good catchphrase. It's just very long. And uh, they decided to, first they were going to sue Uber because they came in illegally without any kind of permits. And then they decided to do, form a task force and have a few months of, you know, some testing so that, that we've been all riding around in Uber and testing the model. And these are the recommendations from the uh, task force. And so some of the things that they're saying is that... Here's just read it. You've got it well, in front of you. Yeah. First of all, um, number one is that they're going to take off the caps of number of participants, whether it's companies or drivers. And um, one of the things that's happened traditionally all over the country, in fact, is that they would limit the cab, the number of cab companies and also limit the rates they were able to charge. But it created, in, in many instances now, there were not very many cabs on the road for the number of people. And, and so Uber came in and took you know, great advantage of the fact that people were desperate to uh, have rides in town because it used to be that you could never get a cab and part of it was that you know just that there weren't enough and it was the city's fault yeah so So now there's no caps on the number of cabs no caps on the number of uber or lyfts but there's also no caps on the fares so the days of walking in the cab with the sticker in the window that says how much per mile is gone which is kind of funny because the the Uber works because you can open up the Uber app or the Lyft app and you know how much it's going to charge you and if there's going to be a surcharge or not. You know, it's clear and you can say, oh, well, 20 bucks, that's way too much for that short ride. You know, I'll, I'll just walk or I'll take public transportation. And so you have that choice. I don't know how it's going to work with the cab companies because I heard that their app is not that good. I don't know that it's it's been developed for um, showing rates in advance. So it will be interesting to find it'll out. It'll get better. Um, I'm, it has I'm, to. Sh- it has to if they're competing on this. And, and I think competition is good. And the cabs already. do have a couple of advantages still. Uh, one advantage is you're not allowed to hail, you know, hold up your hand and say, hey, Uber, Lyft driver, you know, wave your hand and have them come. But you are allowed to hail a taxi. And there are still uh, parking spots in the city that are designated for taxis. And those are still taxi only. No Uber or Lyft. Hmm. Okay. Well, the uh, I can't. I'm just thinking. When's the last time I hailed a cab in Portland? I haven't. I, no, it's not. It's not part of our culture. That, we in don't New do York, it. Boston, anywhere on the east coast. Because you can't. We do it. Right, because there's not enough of them. Yeah. You'd be standing there all day in the rain waiting for <laughs> waiting for a cab to drive by just to hail it. So another thing they're going to do is that they really had to think about accessibility um, for people with disabilities. And originally they were talking about and testing out resource-based percentage of fleet, um, meaning you have to have X number of accessible vans for the for the number of total number of cars you have in your fleet. But they're realizing now that doesn't really work and it's better to have a performance-based um, based threshold where performance times and the standards of which they are going to um, come and get you and perform. Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is actually, a lot of this is actually really reasonable. And what's really neat about this this thing, they call it WAV or WAVE vehicles, uh, wheelchair, wheelchair accessible vehicles, is that they're going to, they're trying out this system and then they'll revisit it in a little bit to see how it works. And I think that's really neat to do a pilot project because a lot of times you see, especially in the city of Portland, they'll just jump in with both feet on something that may not be a bright idea. Um, I mean, this is, 
There's a lot of brilliance in this. So, and I'm going to give number three some credit. Um, it says number three of their recommendations is shifting the administrative responsibility from the public sector to the private sector, um, in order to um, avoid creating significant new bureaucracy. Now, I can't think of a single time in the past that I ever heard of anything con in conjunction with a, a government or the city government, and particularly where they didn't want to create an, their own. You know, domain of bureaucracy. So that's. I almost good. wonder if someone's sitting there saying, "Wait, did we actually write that?" <laughs> well, we'll see because they're going to debate it. Uh, oh, I know. I can't week. wait. This this is going to be a real. If fun... I was going to go to one thing this week on the agenda um, at City Council, I would go Thursday at two o'clock, time certain, to see this thing read into the record, and also, uh, I think it's. Uh, and there's three hours set aside, so right. that is a guaranteed circus. Right. Well, not circus. I think. If the report is any indication, it might be really good. It would be interesting to see what the cab companies have to oh, say Oh, they will about be mad it. about the caps, I'm sure. We'll see. But they're going to make more money. Um, so... So there's a lot of there's a lot of things in this report. Um, it's actually punchier than you would think. So I'd say take some time to, to read it and go downtown and watch it. Yeah. It's better it than... Be it's, it's like live TV. It's very exciting. So is there anything else we want to wrap up with? We're at the end of our time. Here. I think we're pretty close to the end of our time. I told you, that's only half a page. Oh, I guess just a quick little throwaway. There's a poll that came out. Uh, our current treasurer of the state of Oregon is Ted Wheeler. He's been making some noise about possibly running for mayor. Uh, poll just came out that put him roughly even with the current mayor. Uh, without even trying. A statistical, without even running, right? But what's really interesting is that there are still 40% of the people polled who said they haven't made up their mind. And we were in the same position right up pretty much until... The last election, uh, when it was Jefferson Smith versus uh, the current mayor, leading up to that election, we were still at about 40% undecided until the ballots were actually cast. So we could be in for an interesting uh, mayor's race. I think it's going to be very exciting. And we'll be here. And we'll be here. Yeah, so that's it. That's it. All so right. Thanks for listening to the Tuesday Memo podcast. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Podcast. Dot com. Yes. <laughs> All right. And uh, hope to hear you, hear you, see you, do something with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.